Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Monday, November 7th, 2022. Yesterday was a momentous day in the history of Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley as we met for the first time at Heritage Middle School. We've been meeting at another middle school, Pathways, for almost four years, but God provided an opportunity to move to a a facility with more space to allow our congregation to continue to serve the people that are coming and even to to grow in our capacity to serve more people. And one of the things that we, we were reminded of, a commitment of a healthy church, was a commitment to prayer. We saw that the early church, they were committed to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. Uh, so we, we need to be committed to prayer as a local church. But many people ask the question, well, how do I pray? What should prayer look like? And that's where we should be thankful that the, the Bible gives us many examples. Uh, the Bible helps us by showing us how to pray. The ultimate example obviously being Jesus, but we see another good example today in Jeremiah chapter 32 as we look at Jeremiah 32 through 33. Now, Jeremiah, he has been prophesying bad things are coming for Jerusalem. Uh, but we're starting to get into a part of the book now that is more positive and focused on future hope. And while Jerusalem is under siege, God in chapter 32 instructs Jeremiah to buy a field. Now think about that. The city is under siege. The city is about to be destroyed, but Jeremiah is told to buy a field. Why? Well, apparently, Jeremiah had the same question. So he asked God to help him understand, and his prayer, I think, is one that can help us. Let's look at his prayer together. That part starts in verse 16 of chapter 32, and he says, After I had been given the deed of purchase, or after I had given the deed of purchase to Baruch, the son of Neriah, I prayed to the Lord, saying, Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. You show steadfast love to thousands, but you repay the guilt of fathers to their children after them. O great and mighty God, whose name is the Lord of hosts, great in counsel and mighty indeed, whose eyes are open to all the ways of the children of man, rewarding each one according to his ways and according to the fruit of his deeds. You have shown signs and wonders in the land of Egypt and to this day in Israel and among all mankind and have made a name for yourself as at this day. You brought your people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and wonders and with a strong hand and an outstretched arm and with great terror. And you gave them this land, which you swore to their fathers to give them, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they entered and took possession of it, but they did not obey your voice or walk in your law. They did nothing of all you commanded them to do. Therefore, you have made all this disaster come upon them. 
Behold, the siege mounds have come up to the city to take it, and because of sword and famine and pestilence, the city is given into the hand of the Chaldeans who are fighting against it. What you spoke has come to pass, and behold, you see it. Yet you, O Lord, have said to me, Buy the field for money and get witnesses, though the city is given into the hand of the Chaldeans. He's basically saying, God, I don't understand. But we see a lot that should help our prayers. Notice he gets to his issue at the very end. He spends much of his prayer praising God and recounting the history of what God has done. And that is a good reminder of how you should pray as well. I mean, look, he starts by talking about how God is the one who made the heavens and the earth by his great power. It confesses that nothing is too hard for him. Is is that the kind of thoughts that permeate your prayers? God, you made the heavens and the earth. You, uh, nothing is too hard for you. You can do anything. That's the thought that dominates the beginning of his prayer. And then he recounts a lot of history. He recounts what God has done. He goes back to Egypt and the Exodus. He he thinks of all the things that God has done, and he even brings up the sin of the people. And this is something, if we've been reading through the Bible, we're getting close to the end here. We only have a few months left of the year, really a couple months left in our reading. We're getting close to the end of really the nation of Israel before complete exile and destruction. And here he is remembering everything. And we should remember, we've seen a lot of other prayers like this recently, Hezekiah, uh, other examples of people that go to God in prayer and they, they make it clear that they are expressing a high view of God in their prayers. And I guess that's, that's the main thing I want you to get out of this today. Jeremiah, even though he didn't understand, he had a high view of God in prayer. Do you have a high view of God in prayer? When there is something perplexing in your life, when there is something painful in your life, do you go to God, even though you don't understand and say, God, I know that nothing's too hard for you. God, I know that you are in control. And do you remember the great things God has done? Can you think of a biblical history? Even this is Old Testament. Can you say, God, you're the God who made heaven and earth, and you're the God that has set us free from sin by sending your son, Jesus Christ, and by raising him from the dead. You can help me. And maybe even you bring some things from your personal history into your prayer of ways you have seen God provide for you. Uh, We need to have a high view of God. We also need to have a right view of ourselves as we pray. We we see that as Jeremiah continues to pray, he, he brings up the sin of his nation. And we need to not act like we can strut before God and act like we deserve everything based on ourselves. We don't. We come in the name of Jesus Christ. It's because of what he has done for us that we can have hope. It is because of what he has done for us that we can have access to God. Uh, So hopefully those are some lessons that help you pray. Have a high view of God in prayer. Have a right view of self and a willingness to confess sin. And then just finally be encouraged to pray. Pray, pray, and pray some more. And we see that example because even here we see God answers 
prayer in a unique way here, but you will see God answer prayer as well. And we see God answer him. And really the gist of the next couple of chapters speaks to the future faithfulness of God to Israel. And it goes back to what hopefully is a very familiar Old Testament refrain to you now in chapter 33, verse 11, where it says uh, that the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride and the voices of those who sing as they bring thank offerings to the house of the Lord, give thanks to the Lord of hosts for the Lord is good for his steadfast love endures forever. All right. He's going to restore the fortunes of the land and they're going to sing this song about the goodness and faithfulness of God again. And then he speaks of this righteous branch that's going to spring up for David, pointing again forward to the Messiah. So here we see God answers prayer. God keeps his promises. And I hope that encourages you not only to pray today, but also encourages you on how to pray. Our New Testament reading today is from Hebrews chapter 5. And again, Hebrews points us toward the perfections of Jesus Christ. He is our great high priest. Um, the, the normal human high priest has to offer sacrifices for his own sins, uh, just as he does for the people. But Christ, he is a different kind of high priest. Uh, he was a perfect high priest. But it's interesting, we, we think of the prayers of Jeremiah, we see something of the prayers of Christ here in verse 7. It says, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. So there it's, it speaks really of the prayers of Jesus Christ. And I always think, man, if Jesus had to pray, how much more do I need to pray? And it even uh, tells a, a key pr a part of his prayer was his reverence. And that's something we need. We need that reverence for God. And I think we see a great reverence for God in the example we saw in Jeremiah. The chapter closes out there in Hebrews 5 with a warning, a warning that we need to not become dull of hearing as we listen to the word of God. And it talks about those who still are drinking milk instead of solid food, because really the idea is they're not listening to the word of God. So there's a danger here in hearing the word of God, but not listening to to it. And so I hope that you even apply that today as you think about prayer. When we hear about prayer and we, we learn new things about prayer, but we don't pray, we're becoming dull of hearing. We are showing our spiritual immaturity. So we need to hear today's lesson on prayer, but then we need to pray. Well, we need to do what the word says. So Christians should be committed to prayer and hopefully today's reading shed some light on how we can pray and also encourages us to pray today. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.